I myself came from a Shabbaton this past Shabbat, and we went upstate, to upstate New York, and it happened to have been beautiful weather. As well, I know that here was beautiful as well. Why do we take them on Shabbatons? Why do we ask for it? I mean, besides taking a bunch of boys to a hotel, and you can imagine the action that takes place at night when everyone is supposed to be sleeping, and suddenly the fire extinguishers disappear, and suddenly you find guys, uh, you know, uh, surfing on mattresses down the steps of the hotel. It becomes exciting. But that's part of a Shabbaton. We do it simply because we want them to get that moment of inspiration over the weekend. Because that one moment could literally change their entire outlook on Shabbat Kodesh and what a Shabbat is supposed to look like. What a Shabbat table is supposed to look like. Zemirot on Shabbat. The Tefilot on Shabbat. And when they get into it, they enjoy it to the hilt. And when they sit down with the kumzits and they begin to sing, suddenly they start feeling a certain closeness, a certain Yerushalayim that they've never experienced before. And that Shabbat, which at first they thought was all about having a good time and making a little trouble, turned out to be the most memorable experience of a Shabbat in their life. And it gives them the inspiration to want it. Why is it the main and central theme of Klal Yisrael? Well, I said to myself, I'm going to grab a topic this week, being that this is one of the weeks that I was away, so it's not like I'm repeating the Shabbat class. And I'd like to talk about the incredible gift of Shabbat Kodesh. We know that the moment of truth the moment that Borei Olam came to Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu said to Hashem, Bama eda ki ereshena. And Hashem tells Abraham Avinu, Come, I'm going to make with you a covenant. I'm going to make with you a Brit Ben Abitarim. And this is going to be something that's going to stand forever. This is going to be the secret of the Jewish people. This is going to be the promise that Hashem is going to make to Abraham and later on to be given down to Yitzhak Yaakov. This is the moment of truth. The moment that Hashem promises Abraham that He's always going to be there to protect us. Kalal Yisrael is going to be saved. In order to give you the clarity and the depth of what really went on, I have to first tell you an incredible yisod of the Vilna Gaon. The Vilna Gaon writes that every number 70 is really not 70. Every 70 in Judaism is really 72. And he says, I'll show it to you. You have the Shivim Zikanim in the times of Matan Torah, Klal Israel, we came out of Egypt, Shivim Zekenim. And in truth, it was really 72. It was 70 plus the two heads, Moshe and Aharon. Says the Gaon, every single 70 in Judaism is really two sets of 35, and each set has a Rosh, a head, 
So therefore, in truth, every 70 is really 72. He says, I'll show it to you. Shivim Lashon, the 70 languages. It's really two sets of 35 and the two heads, which is Lashon HaKodesh and Lashon HaMalachim, is the way he writes. Two languages that are not in the languages of 70. 70, really 72. He says, I'll show it to you yet again. In Bedin, in the great Bedin Agadol that sat, sat in the Lishkan, the Bet HaMikdash, there were 70. But the 70 was really with two Yoshev Rosh, two heads of Bedin. Again, 72. And therefore, ladies, says the Vilna Gaon in Shir Hashirim, the most amazing concept that is so apropos for today, and this is going to open up our eyes and a secret to what's going on right now in the world. And this is going to tell us something about Shabbat Kodesh that we never knew before. I'm happy you came this week because I didn't give a class this past Shabbat. It opens me to be able to talk freely on a class that I always wanted to mention. Says the Vilna Gaon, there's another 70. That really is 72. And that is the Shiv'im Umot Ha'olam. The 70 nations of the world. They're not 70. They're 72. They're really two groups of 35 and 35. 35 Esav and 35 Yishmael. So you have the 35 plus Esav, and you have the 35 of Yishmael plus Yishmael. So really the Shivim Umot Ha'olam, the 70 nations of the world, are really 72. And today, you look around in the world, and you're watching it unfold in front of your eyes. You're literally watching East versus West. You're watching how Yishmael is banding together. We're now what was once so many different independent countries on the 12 princes of Yishmael. Each one of those princes are falling one at a time. Should I start naming you the princes of Yishmael? History didn't already reveal that to you? Didn't you see how Osama fell? How Gaddafi fell? Mubarak fell. We're going to watch as each one of the prisoners going down the line one at a time. And now there's the last standing prince, Assad. And his day will come. Here you have the 35 countries, Yishmael with Yishmael. Here it is, the East banding together as one to very soon square off against the West. Because on the other hand, take a look at what's going on in Europe. Take a look at Esav. On the other hand, Esav, they too are banding together, little by little, quietly. Maybe not in the fashion of the way Yishmael is banding together. Maybe not in the way of countries falling 
maybe not in the way of regimes being overthrown, maybe because of a financial crash, where little by little Europe is becoming the European Union, while little by little the United States, Russia, are beginning to grow ties again. And little by little we're going to watch the final standoff, 35 Yishmael, 35 Esav, east against west, each with its Rosh, Esav and Yishmael, says the Vilna Gaon. Even the 70 nations of the world, they're not 70, they're 72. So what does this have to do with Shabbat, Rabbi? This has everything to do with Shabbat. And I'd like to show you something that I thought the first time I heard it was something off the charts. I heard this and learned this at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I had no one to share it with. I was literally dancing around my basement like a drunk man. Waiting for the sun to come up so I can call somebody. (laughs) And just share this with them. And that's why I wanted to tell you this class. Take a look at this. Bore Olam comes to Abraham Avinu and says, Abraham, I'm going to make with you the greatest of all covenants, a Brit, the Brit Ben Abitarim. Why was it called the covenant Ben Abitarim in between the halves? Huh? The halves of what? Oh. So when you take a look at the Pasuk, you see that when Hashem told Abraham Avinu that he's going to enter this treaty with him, the treaty of his promise to him, for the Jewish people, for all of history, Hashem told him very specific guidelines. This wasn't done on a handshake, kiviachol, no. This was done in a very Kabbalistic and deep and specific way. Let's go to the videotape. Let's go to the pasuk. Let's see exactly what Hashem told Abraham Avinu. Hashem told him, Abraham, I want you to go and take a certain number of animals. Not just that, I also want you to take a tor, a yonah, a dove. What do I want you to do with these animals? What do I want you to do with the dove? So the pasuk over there, in Bereshit Tetvav Yud, the Pasuk says, Vayikachlo et kol ele. He took ele. What is the gematria of ele? 36. He took 36 animals. And what did he do with them? Says the Pasuk, the next words. Vayivater otam batavech. And he split them. He cut the animals in half. And then what did he do? Vayiten ish bitro likrat re'ehu. He took one half of the animal and put it on one side. And he took the opposite half of the same animal and put it on the opposite side. So he made two rows of half animals. One row of 36 half animals. And right across from that, Another row of 36 half animals. And then what did he do? The bird, the tor, the tzipor, the yonah. He did not cut that in half. He left the bird whole. 
What did he do with the bird? He put the bird, placed the bird right in the middle of the two rows of the half animals. And then Hashem instructed him that he, Abraham, should pass through these two rows of half animals. And Hashem is going to pass through the two rows of the half animals. And as you look at the Pasuk, amazing things happened at that moment. And they're passing through these two rows of half animals. How many? 36 and 36. Consecrated the deal. That's what closed the deal. That was the treaty, the promise, the guarantee. The answer to the great question of Abraham Avinu, the answer is, I'm promising you now, through this treaty of halved animals and a bird, that I'm always going to be there for the Jewish people. What is this talking about? What's going on? What does this mean? And the answer says the Vilna Gaon. The answer says the Arizal, the Chida, that this was something so powerful and so incredibly symbolic. Those 36 animals represented 36 and 36. The 70 nations of the world with their leaders, Esav and Yishmael. Two rows, two rows. 35 plus 1, that was the row of Yishmael plus Yishmael. And then on the other side, opposite them, 35 animals, the 35 nations of Esav, plus 1 plus Esav. 36 and 36. And who is right in the middle of the nations, Yishmael and Esav? The Tor, the Tzipor, the Yonah, the bird, Am Yisrael. The Jewish people. We're always the center of everybody's attention, hopefully for only good. And we're always surrounded by them. Like a lamb among 70 wolves, the Gemara says. That was positioning us amongst those rows of animals. And Abraham Avinu was to walk through and to see how the bird is not going to be touched. The promise of Hashem. Although we're always going to be surrounded, always in harm's way, but we're going to be miraculously, somehow or other, immortally spared, like an immortal people, like the lamb among 70 wolves. How is that? What does that mean? What kept us alive? Hashem's protection. Why? Because of the Tor, the Yonah, Yonah Matzah Manoah, and that is the day of rest. That is the bird that found the rest by the Teva. The Yonah is not just Nimshalu to the Jewish people, but it also is the Mashal for Shabbat Kodesh. And as long as we have Shabbat, it keeps Esav and Yishmael apart. You see, ladies, God forbid, the moment that Esav and Yishmael come together, there are two forces that biyachad results a destructive force that could destroy the world. Do you know who was the result of the offspring when Esav took a daughter from Yishmael? They had Amalek. Esav saw 
that his wives did not find favor in the eyes of Yitzhak. So Esav went out of Kibur Avaim and discarded his wives and went to the daughter of Yishmael and he took Bosmat Ba Yishmael. Esav marries the daughter of Yishmael and who is the child? Amalek. The nemesis of the Jewish people. When these two destructive forces come together as one, they give off an Amalek that literally is the sworn enemy against all good. It stands as the evil of the world, the force to destroy the world. It's a Hitler, Hitler himself, said that his conquest was much more than countries. But he was out to conquer the world. Why? Just for power? No. It was a war on the Jew. And it was a war against the God of the Jews. As Hitler used to say, we need to eradicate the Jew so that we can get rid of the human conscience. Oh. He says, we're here to eradicate the Jew so that we can banish the thou shalt and thou shalt not. He was looking to go against Hashem, the Jewish people. Such a destructive force to murder millions. Where does that come from? That comes from when Esav and Yishmael come together. Rabbi Gladstein, his grandfather, a Holocaust survivor. And he said that uh, he was in Auschwitz at the time. And the moment that was more breaking or back-breaking to them than the most, after all the torture and after all the, the terrible, humane situations, the inhumane situations they were put in, was that one day they witnessed as the Arab Mufti came to the concentration camp and he hugged Eichmann. When they saw Yishmael come together with Esav in unity, that's the moment we got to be worried. That's the moment where the Shor and the Hamor come together. The Shor, Esav. The Hamor, Yishmael. Abraham Avinu told them, Stay here with Yishmael. Am Hadomele Chamor, a nation that is compared to Chamor. That's why the Torah tells you a beautiful concept where people think Sha'nez is only about mixing wool and linen together. There's another Kilayim out there. You're not allowed to work together the Shor and the Hamor. You know why? So that you'll always be reminded that you need to keep Esav and Yishmael apart. Because the minute they come together is the minute of the downfall of the world and Tzarot for Klal Yisrael. I'm being taped. So I'm not going to go into the lineage of the current president. But if you think about it, you'll understand that his father from Yishmael and his mother from Esav. And enough is said. I can't say any more than that. But the bottom line is, we need to keep them apart. Because when they come together, they're destructive. And we're in trouble.
So says Borei Olam, come! I'm going to make with you now the Brit Ben Abitarim. I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you the secret of how to keep Yishmael and Esav apart. So like this, the Jewish people will be a people to survive no matter what harm's way they're in. They'll always have Hashem's protection. And you know what the secret is? The Manoach, the Yonah, Shabbat Kodesh. As long as there is a Shabbat, it keeps the power of Yishmael and their 35 on their side and Esav and his 35 on their side. And the Jewish people are immortally invincible and untouched. Our secret is Shabbat. And when we're Shomer Shabbat, Shabbat is Shomer us. And we have the Shmirah Mi'ula. And we have Hashem's love, Hashem's protection. And Klal Yisrael is no, with the promise to be able to survive till the end of time. How do I see this? Well, take a good look. How does Shabbat do this? How does Shabbat keep Yishmael and Esav apart? And the answer is, what is the rest day of the Arabs? What day do they rest? On Friday. What is the resting day of Esav? What day does he rest? Sunday. And which day is right in the middle of Friday and Sunday? Shabbat. Shabbat keeps Friday and Sunday apart. Shabbat keeps Yishmael and Esav apart. Says Borei Olam, Shabbat has the power to keep the 35 and 35 separated and it diffuses them, enabling the burden between Klal Yisrael to stay whole and to survive. This is the secret of what Shabbat does for a Jewish people. No wonder the Gemara says that if the Jewish people, Lule, the word of the Gemara, Lule, if we would only be able to keep two Shabbatot, which really, in the Midbar, we kept one already. So some say what it meant is two consecutive, one right after the next. And in the Midbar, we kept the first Shabbat and the second Shabbat. Okay. We had the problem with the man that was Chotev Etzim. Alright, we'll leave it. That was a different parasha, a different story. So we did not all keep the second Shabbat. We'll leave it. But we need one more Shabbat. One Shabbat. The Gemara says if we would only keep two Shabbatot, immediately Mashiach would come. Immediately would we get rid of all the problems of the nations of the world. Why Shabbat per se? Why doesn't it say it on anything else? Why doesn't it say, Ilmaleh, if only every Jew would shake Lulav and Etrog the Sukkot, Mashiach will come. It doesn't say that. Ilmaleh, Luleh, every Jew would go out and give Siddakah, Mashiach. It doesn't say that. It picks on only one mitzvah, only one. Only Shabbat. That the entire Jewish people would just keep two Shabbatot. Mashiach ben David miyad ba. Immediately Mashiach would come. We'd have no problems with any with nations of the world. No one can touch us. Why Shabbat? I just gave you the answer. Because the whole breed ben abitarim, the whole promise that Hashem made to Abraham Avinu, 
was built on the concept of Shabbat. That's the bird in the middle. That's the Shabbat that separates Friday and Sunday. That's the Jewish people in between the two sets of 35 and its head, 35 and its head, and there is the Jewish people, Shabbat in the middle. And it diffuses the power of Yishmael and Esav and keeps them apart. And if that's not enough, get ready for this. Every Friday night, we stand up and we make our declaration we make a declaration that Hashem created the world in six days. We make Kiddush on the seventh day that He rested in His perfection. Take a good look and you'll see something that's beyond words. Count. How many words? 35 words. 35 words. Words, words, words. The whole Vayichulu. The whole, not, not, just, not just that pasuk. That whole keta, that whole paragraph has 35 words. And then what do we do? We make the Kiddush, but we don't stop. After the Geffen, we make one more blessing. Right? Right after that, we make the blessing. Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Mechalam. Asher Kiddushanu b'Mitzvotav Erat Sabanu b'Shabbat Kodesh b'Avav Razin Chilano. Zikrom Aser Rishit Yachlam Mekorei Kodes Zechutzal Mitzrayim. The whole second blessing, thirty-five words. So Vayichulu is thirty-five words. The second blessing, thirty-five words, and right in the middle is the bird. Right in the middle is the Kiddush. That we mikadesh the Shabbat al yideh the ayin. Unbelievable. Every Friday night in Kiddush, we literally reenact the entire Brit Ben Abitarim all over again. And we demonstrate Hashem's promise to us. As Abraham Avinu, our forefather, put 35 halves of animals and its head on one side, Yishmael. 35 animals and its head on the other side with the bird in the middle. We say Vayichulu, 35 words. Keneged, the 35 nations of Yishmael. We say the second Hagefen. We say Hagefen in the middle. We say the second blessing of 35 words. Keneged, the 35 nations of Esav. And in between the 35 and 35, we put the Kiddush, the Shabbat, which is the Jewish people, the Torah, the Tzipor, the Yonah, that keeps them separate, that keeps them apart. So if that's the case, 35 and 35, where's the two heads? Where's Yishmael and Esav? Yom HaShishi. Yom HaShishi. And that's why 35 and 35, every 70, is really 72. Unbelievable. Every Friday night, we relive the Brit Ben Abitarim. Every Friday night, we show how our Kiddush, how our Shabbat separates these 35 of Ayahulu to these 35 of the second blessing. And that is the secret of a Jewish people. We are here today because we're still keeping Shabbat. 
We're here today because Shabbat Kodesh was so paramount to the Jewish people. And if we would only keep Shabbat, all the Jewish people, we would already get rid of Galut completely. We would never have to worry about those 35 or those 35. Because Mashiach ben David would be here. As we're watching how the standoff of the world of the 35 and 35 are coming together. It's scary to know who's going to beat who. I don't want to tell you that answer because I don't know if I know the answer. I know the great Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Shalita said. To me, it's very scary words. I don't know, ladies, if you want to hear this or not, I don't know. Reb Chaim Kanievsky said in his famous Pirush on Chad Gadya, that all the way at the end of Chad Gadya, which represents Alpi Kabbalah, all the different Galut, right down to the last one that we're at now. It's going to be the standoff between the Malcham Mavet and the Shochet. And he says the Shochet is Esav, and the Malcham Mavet is Ishmael. And according to that, that means the Malcham Mavet kills the Shochet. I don't know if we're in the right country or not. <laughs> I don't want to scare anybody. But anyways, we're going to have 35 and 35. That's the Gogumagog. I mean, that's, that's, that's the final. And we're watching it. We're watching it turn down. Until finally Hashem is going to come and wipe out the Malacham Nonetheless, this is the beauty of Shabbat Kodesh. And how unbelievable it is on every Friday night, on every Kiddush that we make, we're actually reliving reliving the Brit Ben Abitarim all over again, placing 35 words on one side and 35 words on the other side, each one representing the 35 nations of Esav and Yishmael with their heads, and of course the Shabbat, the Kiddush in the middle, keeping them apart and keeping us alive. That was the promise that Hashem gave us. I was very moved this past Shabbaton, not just by the guys, who enjoyed the Shabbat, sang such zmirot, got into it, but by a little boy that came along from one of the families. And this little boy from a religious home happened to have witnessed one boy who doesn't come from a religious home, one of the students, who by mistake is so used to flicking on the light switch on Shabbat, that this little religious boy from the families, only seven years old, is walking down the hall, and one of the students, by mistake, walked into his room and flicked on the light on Shabbat. And this little boy, he got so... He went running to his father. And I almost started crying when I heard what the kid said to his father. He said, Daddy, there's a guy here who thinks it's Sunday. He must have made a mistake with the days. Do you hear how sweet and how tamim and how pure our kids are? To this boy, Shabbat is not negotiable. There's no way that this guy could have known that it's Shabbat and done that. No, said the seven-year-old. It must be that he got mixed up with what day of the week it is. He probably got mixed up. He forgot that today's Shabbat. He thought it was today's Sunday. 
It's amazing how a seven-year-old in his Timimut could understand so clearly what 60 and 70-year-olds sometimes have a hard time doing when being asked to close their stores on Shabbat. It's a big Nisayon. Shabbat always was a big Nisayon because it's the backbone of the Jewish people. And when something is so paramount to the Jewish people, obviously, the Yetzir Hara is going to fight against it much stronger than other things. Because the Yetzir Hara knows that the minute we all get together on a Shabbat is the moment that we knocked out and diffused all the goyim of the world, 35 and 35. And that's the moment that Mashiach comes. And the moment that Mashiach comes, he knows. He knows the score. And he knows that he goes first. Like the Gemara tells us in Yoma, that the moment Mashiach comes, there's going to be a great funeral from the slaughtering of the Yetzirah. You hear that? There's going to be a funeral. We're going to make a funeral for him. Funeral generally has hespedim, words of eulogy. And according to one Amar in the Gemara, one rabbi says the funeral is for Mashiach ben Yosef. We're praying that that shouldn't happen. If you take a look in your Siddur, you'll see Et Semach David, Avdecha Meherat Tatzmiach, Ekarnot Harum Bishokili Shu'atecha, Kivinu Bitsipinu Kol Hayom. You'll see at the bottom of the Siddur, some of the Siddur has a little asterisk, a star, that this is the spot that we pray for the life of Mashiach ben Yosef. Although he's destined to die in the war of Gog Magog in Armageddon, but we still pray with the power of tefillah to change that destiny that he should remain alive. But the other rabbi says, no, that's not the funeral at the time of Mashiach. The funeral at the time of Mashiach is on the Yetzer Hara, that we're going to slaughter him. And we're going to say eulogies. And I'd love to be the one to give that eulogy. We have so much to say on how well he did his job. And then some. The only servant that never came late to work in the entire history of the world. The only guy that never took off any vacation days. The Yitzhak Hara, who his timing was always impeccable. Yeah, one day a year, yes. Keep poor. But it's not on his will. We kick him out that day. He didn't take off vacation. We threw him out that day. You're right. You're saying very good. We actually give him the Sa'ir Zazel as a bone to the dog. And we say, here, this is for you. Leave us alone for a day. You're right. But it's not because he wants to. Like Rabbi Miller said, when a person is walking up the tall mountain and they look down for a second at the fall below and they hear a little voice inside and the voice says, jump. Just get it over with. Just do it. Finish it. And I always thought I was crazy until I heard that Rabbi Miller tape. I thought it was me. But he says, no. Every person. You know who that voice is telling you to jump? That's the Yetzir Hara. He's your sworn enemy. He's here to kill you. Not just to take away from you. To kill you. Not just to get you to sin. To finish you. We're going to slaughter him when Mashiach comes. 
And he knows that his days are numbered. And therefore, he knows the score. He knows the thing that's going to bring Mashiach. He knows Shmirat Shabbat is the area that the Gemara says, Ilmale Yisrael, if only the Jewish people would keep two Shabbatot and we kept one away already, Mashiach would come. And that means he's going to get slaughtered. So he fights against Shabbat more than maybe almost anything else. He knows how important it is. He knows that that was the bird in the middle. That was what keeps us surviving and going. And he knows how many people are tested to keep their stores open on Shabbat. Once upon a time it was miserable. Today at least we have it so much easier. But even with that it's not easy. Even with that, we're coming up with these ridiculous backwards heterim of bringing the goyin as the uh, partner for Shay. It's all haki balash. That's not our way. That's not our way. Our way is Shabbat is Kodesh. Our way is that we believe that Hashem, who loves the Jewish people and gives us the blessing of Shabbat, like we say in Lechadodi, Kihi Mikor. Shabbat is the source of all blessing. Don't tamper with the source of all blessing. That's where your blessing is coming from. No, Rabbi, but mathematically it doesn't make sense. How am I going to make so much money? How am I going to make more money in six days than in seven? The weekends is big for me. I'm in retail. I'm in this area. I'm in that area. I make the most money on weekends. Let's remember who the money comes from. Let's remember who's the one who sends it. This is the Nisayon of a Jewish people. If we could just get this concept down. How every Friday night we relive the Brit Ben Abitarim. We would close our stores. We would open our hearts to most, the beautiful experience. Shabbat Kodesh. The blessing in the home. The Shalom Bayit between husband and wife. Shabbat. The candles of Shabbat. The light the Kiddushah, that it brings into the house. The Zmirot on the Shabbat table, one of the greatest sigulot for your children to grow to be great Talmidei Chachamim. They once asked the great Reb Shach, Zechet Tzadik Lebracha, how come his children were not Talmidei Chachamim? Whereas Reb Meir Chadash, one of the Rosh HaYeshivot at that time in Jerusalem, each son was a greater Talmud Chacham than the next. And all of his sons were giants in Torah. They said, Harav, how come he was Zocheh and you weren't? And you know what Reb Shach answered? I heard this from Rabbi Elephant. He told it over to me. He heard it from the people next to Reb Shach. Reb Shach told them, because when I sat by my Shabbat table, I was sitting with a Sefer learning and I was not singing Zemirot with my kids. That Rosh HaYeshiva on Shabbat, when he sat by his Shabbat table, he sang Zemirot with his sons, and that's why each one of his sons grew to be great Tamidei Chachamim. It all comes from Shabbat. The whole week comes from the previous Shabbat. The way you took care of Shabbat is the way the week unfolds in the coming week. It's the secret of the entire survival of the Jewish people. It's the secret of our blessing, our homes, our Shalom Bayit, our children. It's the secret to everything.
We have it easy today. It's just so hard to take our eye off the grain of money. But there was a time where people didn't have what to eat. And there were great men, great Jews, that came to this country. And they sacrificed to keep Shabbat under conditions that we should never know. Take a look at the days in the Great Depression. In early America, in the early 1900s, Rabbi Blumenfeld, he came to the United States from Europe. Rabbi Blumenfeld was a very smart, very talented rabbi. And sure enough, walking through Ellis Island, after being greeted by Lady Liberty, he makes his way to the Lower East Side, and he lived in Manhattan. And he started to go around, and he started to look for a job. And because he was so talented, immediately they hired him. At first they hired him in the garment industry. And he was very, very talented. They loved working with him. Until Friday. And then on Friday, when he came to the boss of the sweatshops, and he said to him, another Jew, I have to go home. Shabbat is in two hours. I need to leave early. The man laughed at him. Shabbat? In America? You plan to keep Shabbat here? There's no Shabbat in America. That was back in Europe. Here in America, it's a golden Medina. There's only guilt. There's only money here. There's no religion here. Ah, a golden Medina. I got to shut off my phone. Hang on one second, ladies. I'm sorry. So he got kicked out of that job. He got fired. So he went to a different job. He actually was very good with his hands. So he went to become a carpenter. And he was working with a whole group of men. And they were building all different types of houses and buildings and construction. And sure enough, Friday came and he went to the general contractor that he worked for. And he said, I got to go home. And he told him, are you joking? It's a whole day. He says, so you know what? Deduct it from my salary. Deduct it. Don't pay me. Don't pay me. Nothing doing. You're out. And he went like this. Week after week. Job after job after job after job. And it became a joke. It hurt. But it was comical. Where he'd come home every Friday. And his kids would ask him. Tata. Daddy. What job did you get fired from this week because of Shabbat? And he would tell them. And he would dance with them. And he would say, look what we're doing. We're keeping Shabbat under such sacrifice. But we're showing Borei Olam that we believe in him and no one else. And it wasn't easy. There was times where the good rabbi didn't have the rent to pay. And he was running out of jobs to take. Because all he did was work for six days and he'd have to find another job. And the motto of those years... The motto was, if you're not going to work on Saturday, don't bother coming back Monday. And that's the way Rabbi Blumenfeld spent the first few months in America. The golden Medina. It came to a point where we ran out of jobs. There was no way to go anymore. And he did not have the financial backing to start his own business. What is he to do? 
He was out of a job now for over a week. And he looked in the classifieds, the New York Times. And there, out of the blue, he found what to him was a godsend. He found a little classified ad. And in very small letters, it said, wanted. Work for six days. Vacation one day a week. Off one day. Any day you choose. He thought to himself, this is too good to be true. But I have to humor myself because Shamayim showed me this classified. I got to find out what this job is. So he cuts out the classified ad. There's an address. He goes down to New York City, somewhere in Midtown, and he walks into this posh, tall skyscraper of a building. He says, wow, Hashuv, I can work in a building like this and keep Shabbat, Borei Olam, Hashem Kitov, Olam Hasno, my sacrifice still already paid off. He walks in, he's wearing a good suit. He's wearing his best suit. This is his interview suit. Matter of fact, this is his only suit. He walks in and he comes up to the desk. There's a, a guy behind the desk after the doorman let him in, opened the door for him. He comes up to the guy behind the desk and he says, Hi, I'm here for the job. So what floor do I go up to? The guy looked at him and says, What job? He says, You know, the job in the paper. The classified ad, the job. He hands him the paper, the classified ad. He looks down at the ad. I says, oh, the guy starts laughing. That job. Uh-huh. Okay, you want that job, Rabbi? He says, yes, I'll do anything for that job. He says, okay, go to the elevators, but you're not going up. You're going down. He says, down? I thought this was the ground floor. He says, no, you're, you're going down to the basement. He says, did you ever hear of the basement rats? He says, I've heard of rats in basements. No, he says, no, 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 no. The basement rats. He says, no. He says, well, you'll find out when you get downstairs. Rabbi doesn't know what he's talking about. The rabbi gets into the elevator. He sees the elevator goes up to the uh, 50th floor. He hits B for basement. The elevator goes down. The elevator opens up. And it's pitch black. He sees nothing. He starts saying to himself, now I understand why the guy was laughing. Probably a big practical joke. This whole thing is a joke. The job doesn't exist. There's nobody down here. There's no job down here. (laughs) He's about to hit the doors to close again. And as his eyes start getting used to the dark, he starts to see, wait, there are figures of people down there. And he hears voices. And a matter of fact, one voice calls to him and says, Are you here for the job, Rabbi? Rabbi Blumenfeld says, Yeah. He walks out of the out of the elevator. It's pitch black. The doors close. It's really dark. He walks up, and there's a tall guy. He could hardly see him in front of him. And he says to him, Rabbi, I was able to see in the elevator that you're wearing a suit and a tie. You might want to take off that suit and tie. Because the job down here is going to ruin it. He says, well, I'll be happy to. Tell me, what is the job? He says, we're basement rats. He says, I heard that. What is that? He says, well, you see these tall buildings in New York City? How do you think they stay heated through the winter? We have a bunch of men that stand around the furnace in the basement. 
and we take turns round robin going around in a circle each guy gets his turn to shovel his coal into the into the oven into the furnace and the heat goes all the way up and makes its way to the top floors and that's how the building stays warm through the winter he says we're the basement rats that's what they nicknamed us and he sees as his eyes get clearer and clearer that nobody down there is wearing anything above their waist and they're covered black from head to toe from the dirt from the coal from the garbage the, you know, whatever that comes off of it the rabbi says this is what I got to do for Shabbat and this is what I got to do it's the only job left in New York City how much does it pay? it pays well but it's backbreaking labor you got to sit there from 9 to 6 the entire day shoveling coal into a furnace bent over the rabbi wasn't a young man the warden, so to speak, the head of the guys, the head of the rats. He turned to the rabbi and he said, Rabbi, the life expectancy down here is three years. Most people don't live past three years because of what they're inhaling on a constant basis. You sure you want the job? He says, yes, I have no other job. He says, but tell me, why do they allow you to take off any day you want? Can I take off Saturday? He says, you can take off any day you want, one day a week. Because according to government regulations... They're required that they must give you off one day or else the toxins down here would kill you right away. He says, okay. I'm ready for the job. The rabbi takes off his jacket and he takes off his, 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 his shirt and he's sitting there just in his seat and his pants. And he hands him a shovel and he gets in line in the circle around the, the furnace and each guy takes his turn as they go around and around and it comes the rabbi's turn and he throws his coal into the furnace and they go around again and again and again. The rabbi saw that he wasn't going to survive more than one day. He was coughing and spitting up the fumes. He was mamash gamur. His seat was black. His beard was finally black <laughs> from top to He was black from head to toe. The rabbi said, Bore Olam, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for Shabbat. I can't. I'm not going to live through another hour. I can't breathe anymore. And just then, the elevator doors open. And everybody turns around. And one guy in the circle laughs and he says, Oh, we got another rat. And they all start giggling to each other. Let's see these guys. Let's see who's this. The elevator doors open. But instead of there being a guy looking out like the way the rabbi looked, there were three guys standing there, very well dressed, in very expensive suits. And they're looking at each other. And they're looking out in the darkness. And they hear these three guys say to each other, Hey, how did we get down here? Hey, hey, Eddie, did you hit... The basement, I told you the 37th floor. You hit the wrong button. We went down instead of up. He says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then another guy says, wait, 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 one second. Don't close the doors yet. I heard that there are guys down here. They call them basement rats. I heard that they stand around a furnace and they inhale the toxins all day. They don't live too long. Who would ever take a job like that? I can't believe that there are really people down here that keeping the building warm through the winter. 
And then the best dressed guy of all says, what? Get out of here. There's nobody down here. No one would take a job like that. And the doors are starting to close. And just then the best dressed guy sticks his hand out and pulls the doors open and says, wait one second, open the doors. I think I just saw somebody. I can't believe that there are people down here. There are really people down here. He looks and he looks and suddenly his eyes get used to the darkness and he sees the circle of men. And who does he point to? He points to Rabbi Blumenfeld, the rabbi. He says, you, come over here. Rabbi Blumenfeld looks at his boss and he says, yeah, go ahead. He puts down the shovel and he walks up to the elevator. He's standing there in a black pair of tzitzit and pants. His face and his beard is completely covered in coal and black. And the well-dressed guy says to him, uh, tell me, the other guys are young, but you're an older man. What, do you, what did you do? What were you thinking to take this job? Lamai Blumenfeld pulls off his charcoal kippah and says, I'm an observant Jew. I went through almost 12 jobs in the last few months. Ever since I came to Europe, I was devout to keeping my Sabbath, the Shabbat Kodesh. It is precious to me. It's literally the day that I spend with God. I wouldn't give it up for all the money in the world. The problem was I was fired from every job because I held to my religious Shabbat Kodesh, to my beautiful, delicious Shabbat, to my Shabbat. This is the only job that allows you to take off one day a week. They don't care what day. This is the one job that I can keep Shabbat. Even if it kills me, at least, I died for the sake of Shabbat Kodesh. The guy in the suit couldn't believe his ears. He says to him, there's still men like you around? I thought after my father died, they've never made devout, strong men like you anymore. You don't belong here in the basement, in the charcoal pits. You're not a basement rat. You come in here, Rabbi. Come with me. He pulls the rabbi into the elevator, black head to toe. And they go up to the 37th floor. And this guy, his name was Dale something or other. He walks him into his room, into his beautiful corner office, and he says, I own this building. I want to tell you something, Rabbi. I want to make you a partnership. I want you to sit here. I'm going to give you an office. And I just want you to pray for the welfare of my business, myself, my family, because you're a man of God. They don't make them like that anymore. I have a tremendous respect for men like you that don't bend under pressure, but they stand up and are ready to die for what they believe in. Because I found out that the day you find something that you're ready to die for is the day that you begin to live. You are ready to die for your Shabbat. Your Shabbat is living in you. I want a man like that as my partner. You can't get honest people, devout people, committed people like that. You're a partner with me here in this building, in my businesses. Now rumor has it that that, that amazing partnership later on 
became the legendary, well, it's Rabbi Blumenfeld and this guy Dale. It was Bloomingdale's. That was the building that, but I checked it up online and in truth, Bloomingdale's was an English guy. So we're going to leave that legend. It's a great ending to a story that I don't know if it's true or not, but the story is. And Rabbi Blumenfeld became a partner in this building. He became incredibly wealthy in the garment industry, which is what this guy worked in and his real estate. And one of those big buildings today started from a Shabbat story of somebody that believed in what Shabbat is the blessing of every Jew and the Jewish people. As long as there's a Shabbat between a Friday and a Sunday, we have the promise that Hashem will always be there for us and protect us. We have the blessing of Shabbat. Our children become Talmidei Chachamim through her Zimirot. Our families, our Shalom Bayit, grows and flourishes through the candles of her light. Our homes get blessed week after week because of not just the Brit Ben Abitarim, but the secret behind it all. Our Shabbat Kodesh. If not, if only, if only we could bring another Jew, one Jew, back to a Shabbat Kodesh. That Jew can be a family member. That Jew could be our own husbands, our kids, ourselves. That we saved an entire world. Because Shabbat was literally the gift that the Jewish people have gotten. This is going to be the bridge to the final redemption, where Hashem is going to step up as He promised on the Brit Ben Abitarim and watch over the Yonah of Klal Yisrael, Bishut Shabbat Kodesh. Thank you for listening, ladies. <laughs>